Hello again from the Sustainability Podcast. This is Suraj Bhatia. It's a nice summer day and uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Neil Batra. He's a corporate strategist. I'm very interested in hearing what he has to say about his conversations. He talks to a lot of corporate boards on various topics, including uh, global warming. So that's the area I'm really interested in hearing about. Welcome, Neil. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So um I understand you chat with a lot of uh, boards CEOs you advise them on various topics I'm really interested in hearing are they serious about climate change yeah. what exactly do they talk about with you and within the boards and in their 10ks and do these all uh, mesh together uh, give us an idea yeah so uh, I speak to a lot of boards so obviously I'm here today not representing anyone or any company this is just my opinions uh, my own my own perspectives as I've collected these over the last 25 years of doing this. So, you know, as I have these conversations with boards, I think what's interesting about this moment that's different than other moments is this topic on climate, this topic on carbon um has real urgency at a level that I've not seen before and it feels very real to me with a stickiness that I think is will sustain. The challenge you have right now is that uh it is expensive to go get go fix Mm-hmm. right and so many of these models and so many of these business models that have been established ignored this climate dynamic and the implications on carbon for so long to go back and address those requires in some cases a fundamental rethinking of how you do business mm-hmm. and that is wildly expensive it's wildly risky and it's a moment where actually margins and profits are actually very good collectively holistically mm-hmm. uh and so it's a very different you know difficult balance i mm. think is is my sort of impression mm. uh yeah give us an idea for instance uh, you know healthcare industry mm-hmm. uh that's i know that's a topic that's very familiar familiar to you and healthcare hospitals they own a lot of real estate that's a huge problem in terms of carbon emissions yeah. you know realist how to fix real estate yep. so what's going on over there what are these guys uh, thinking yeah. and are they serious i mean health is interesting because uh, on the hospital front a lot of what we anticipate happening here is not a need for more buildings, more towers, more bed towers. Mm-hmm. Actually, so much of health is getting dispersed into the home on the go. Um smart devices are going to let me see disease sooner. Uh so a lot of these dynamics are going to play out in a way that doesn't really require the hospitals to increase their footprint. Mm-hmm. So I think from that perspective I don't see that problem getting worse necessarily mm-hmm. on the hospital front. I also think you're going to have real volume shift outside mm-hmm. so you might even see hospital footprint shrink over time. Mm-hmm. With that said, hospitals and healthcare aren't necessarily the the big industry to to worry about here. Right. Right, there are other industries that are certainly bigger creators of carbon, perpetuators of carbon or have more complex models that perpetuate right the carbon emissions that are that are related to their business. Yeah. Uh so while climate and health um in terms of carbon emission production is an important issue for the health boards i don't know that it's the burning platform no pun yeah. intended so let's talk about industries. what yeah. industries i mean we know that uh, fossil fuels you know there's uh, power generation there's agriculture these are the you know then, then of course uh, hospitality then you have cement and steel you know these are all different industries yeah. that co- contribute a lot to the greenhouse gases travel as well so travel as well you know there's a, there's a very interesting lawsuit going on in europe right now um and i think it may be with Uh, it's with one of the larger airlines and uh they've been promoting their green their green friendly approach to business for quite some time and they've actually had some citizens private citizens sue them mm-hmm. for essentially perpetuating a green narrative when in fact the business itself is still quite 
right. carbon emitting. Yeah. Um, and so actually they're being taken to court to say, can you signal that you are a green friendly or a climate friendly organization when in fact you are not? All right. So within these corporate boards, at what level do you see the seriousness of the conversation? It then? goes to the top. No, it absolutely goes to the top and it has to. And, and so, you know, I've spent a lot of time on this topic for other things, not just climate related, but also health equity, social equity. And the comment I've been consistently making in these conversations is boards care because investors care. Mm. Investors care because they finally believe mm. in their gut that mm. consumers care. Mm. And the reason we know consumers care is because consumers have more access to more information than ever before. Right. And they're able to come together and rally against an organization that they feel like they're on the wrong side of an issue. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean they're well-informed. It doesn't mean that that action is always a good action. But what it means is from an investor perspective, I better have not just the optics, but the guts of what I do be in the grain and with the grain of climate dynamics, equity dynamics, and I better be moving in those directions. The balance is how fast do I need to move? Mm. How fast should I move? And so what I'm finding from boards in general is a lack of urgency to lead the movement. Mm. I will go along and I have interest in doing that as a citizen of the world. I don't necessarily get rewarded if I lead the way. Mm. So I think what this means is you're seeing methodical movement in this direction. For those of us that really care about climate and equity, these are too slow. But what it does also mean is it's creating enormous oxygen for new entrants to come in and really accelerate around these concepts. Mm. So the problem though is with industries that have really sustained and deep assets, right? Real uh, you know, asset intensive businesses, startups aren't showing up and opening up a bunch of refineries, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So the disruption risk mm -hmm. of moving too slow is limited at least on this on these elements. Oh, because of uh, asset heavy. Asset heavy businesses, businesses because that means yeah. disruptors aren't coming in overnight yeah, yeah. at scale so that they can disrupt right. you by playing And I guess these cement other cards. and steel and fossil fuels same point. It's, same point. It's, it's all in that. Same point. So yeah, service industry is so different. The, so the pressure so the pressure from the people is actually what's driving a lot of this activity and it's, okay. it's funny because in a cynical environment people feel like well we've rallied around this we're concerned about this nothing's happened it doesn't work i think that's the wrong conclusion hmm. it works it just requires sustained pressure to break a set of balanced norms that have been in place for right you know since post world war ii so i see very often there's a statement by the ceo in the 10k yeah typically so that's talking about 2050 this is our goal uh, and we are we promise to be net zero by yeah. 20 and then it sort of stops over there mm. so unless it goes down down the chain from the ceo to the chief sustainability officer to uh, to others that's not going to happen so fast well, I, I, it won't happen fast but it does happen i, I think okay. what's interesting and what i've observed in large organizations is that those that have those responsibilities take their signals, not just from the private conversations internally, but from the public statements as well. Mm. So if I'm on the record as an enterprise to say, I'm going to be carbon zero by a certain date, mm -hmm. you better believe that's baked into my goals and the way I show up mm -hmm. in my job day to day. And not just for the chief sustainability officer, but also who runs supply chain, who runs mm. manufacturing production, who runs distribution, right? All of them see that and hear that, and you better believe they're baking it in. The reason why you're saying 2050 and not 2030 is, again, you're going back to really asset-intensive infrastructure and businesses and ways of working that will take time to evolve 
without you going into deep debt to go fix it immediately. Yeah, 2030 right. is, I suppose, an interim goal, and sure. there are certain percentages that sure. they've promised. The world has promised to each yeah, and, other. And, and, and look, those are serious goals as well, but it, we didn't get into this overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. Yeah, 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 exactly. So as long as we can realistically, you know, right. do the 2050 thing, uh, we'll probably be okay. My, but can we? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so can, and here's a, here's a point of optimism maybe to end on, which is the urgency in which we're even having this conversation three years ago would not have been a real thing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So is this a more real conversation ever? Yes. Are you seeing more movement ever? Yes. Is it fast enough to satisfy us? Likely not. Right. But we're heading in that direction. The fair debate is, are we still moving too slowly to have these changes when ultimately put through be enough to stop the demise, halt the carbon, reverse the implications? Yeah. And that is a, a real question. So on that note of optimism, thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Always fun. <laughs> This is Suraj Bhatia signing off from the Sustainability Podcast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.